You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. No other name in heaven and earth which by you must be saved. If you would all just close your eyes for a moment and just be still. Just the attitude of our hearts during this worship is so pleasing to the Father. I want to read just the first part of Psalm 91 over you. And just receive it. Can I even encourage you to put your hands out, palms up to heaven like you're ready to receive and you believe in the one who is going to give, the giver of all good things. Those who live, those who abide, those who remain in the shelter of the most high God will find Rest. We'll find rest. I even believe that the Holy Spirit is moving even now of bringing rest to your minds, to your physical body, to your heart rhythm, to your minds and your thoughts and your emotions and your will. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High, will find rest. Say, I receive your rest, O God. Can we do that again? I receive your rest, O God. He alone, he alone is my refuge. He alone is my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust in him. If you believe that, can you say, I trust in you, O God? Can we say it again like we believe it? Go. I trust in you, O God, for he will rescue us. He's our ever-present help in time of trouble. And now thank him. Thank him for bringing his rest to you. Thank him for his faithfulness. Thank him for his goodness. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, oh God. We worship you. We honor you. We love you, Jesus. Forgive us for falling short. clean out the dirt in our lives. Jesus, be high and lifted up today. Holy Spirit, move and do what only you can do. Help me step out of the way. Take center stage, Jesus. Those who are on the fence with who you are and trusting you with their lives, I pray you'd make yourself known to them today, oh God. It's your loving kindness that draws us to you. 
We receive. We receive. We receive. Bless those who are watching on live stream. Bless those who are battling with sickness. I want to lift up our dear sister, Rose Rents, who's battling cancer. Strengthen her, oh God. We serve the ultimate physician. We serve a mighty God who can move mountains. Anyone struggling with cancer, bury covert. We give you thanks for his life. He is in your hands and you have the final say. We give you praise for Georgetta Rausch who went through surgery and it was successful and removed. The cancer is gone. Thank you, God. We thank you for moving in Sarah Goodwin's life through procedures and now she's under the weather. So God, would you strengthen her right now? And those who I haven't mentioned who are just struggling under the weight of sickness and life and burdens of life, loss and grief, God, strengthen them with the peace that passes all understanding, which only comes from you. And now make our minds alert to hear from you, oh God. Open our ears. Lift the veil of unbelief, oh God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, you may be seated. Whew, whew. I want to welcome you all. My name is Phil Nelson. I'm the lead pastor here. For those of you who are visiting, we'd love to meet you. It's been amazing to see probably about 10 to 15 families just in the last month visiting. Can we just give it up for those who are visiting us? There's only one thing we would ask and encourage you to do is fill out a connect card. You can get it in the uh, back seat flap in front of you or just go to the welcome center and one of our greeters will uh, welcome you and show you that card and we have a gift for you and we'd love to connect with you. For those who uh, have registered for the volunteer appreciation dinner tonight, doors open at 515 and dinner starts promptly at 530. We have a lot to cover tonight, which is just a lot of fun and fellowship. Um, can't wait to love on those who serve and love others selflessly. One last announcement. I would like to um, just really, really encourage you. If you want to grow deeper, if Sunday service is just not enough, and it should be not enough for all of us, because we're called to live this life following Jesus every day, but we would like to invite you to our Bible study every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. in the kids' space. And the coming up series, teaching series that they're doing is tough biblical passages to understand. And I'm so excited for that because a lot of times churches don't offer those answers and people stay confused and they don't know where to go and they don't know what resources to take in. And so we should have, um, uh, I don't know if we'll have an email on uh, the back screen or not, but the email is contact at myelevationcc.org. Just send those 
uh, in to us any questions, and we will pass them on to the teachers of the Bible study. If the email's not on there and you forget, you can either watch this live stream and get that email, contact at myelevationcc.org, or ask uh, Becky or one of the greeters or anyone who looks like a leader, ask them, and if they don't know, they don't know, they'll send you to the right person. Uh, But we just want to encourage you to come and connect. Our vision here at Elevation Community Church is this. We want to see real people. We're real. We got real problems. (laughs) We got real messes. But we also have real hope. And we want them to find that real hope in Jesus. We want them connected to real relationships. We want to see you grow through real discipleship, being equipped in what God's word says and who you are in Christ. And in all that, we are going to see and we are seeing God bring real life change. So we're so excited for all the opportunities to grow here at ECC. So we are in the sixth week of this series called Line It Up. Can you say those three words? Line it up. Say it. Line it up. And basically, we are going through the Old Testament and seeing the key principles and the key stories that do two, three, three, two things, three. (laughs) I tell you, I don't do math. Three key heavenly principles that line it up. Number one is this, God's character. Every story, we see his character. We also see, number two, his redemptive plan, always. And number three, we see his divine design to be in relationship with us forever. So the whole purpose of line it up is to line it up. So let's line it up so far since we're in the sixth week. Number one is creation. Everything is about God and for God everything. Then we go to the fall, breaks the plan, not God's plan, he knew, but it separates us from a holy God. The fall, the result of sin equals death and separation. Death and separation in the Bible are the same word. Separation, separation. Death is not just an end. It's a beginning to the Then we see God's promise, unconditional love, that even though we are now in our sin nature and rejecting God, hostile to him, that he still has a plan to bring us close to him forevermore through the Passover lamb, which we see next is the Passover. God rescuing his people by passing over their sin and delivering them. And he passes over the houses, which represent us, who are marked with the lamb's blood, and he passes over our sin. And then we look at last week, thank you, Kevin Holly, for delivering such a powerful message on the law. Yeah, amen. I looked at the series, the Line It Up series, and I said, yep, the law, I need someone else to teach that. Kevin! So thank you so much, Kevin. Uh, Really appreciate that. But God reveals through the law our desperate need for him. That's it. Our desperate need for him, and it points to Jesus as the only one who fulfills the law. And since he fulfills the law, he can lay down his life as a holy sacrifice. It's beautiful. 
It's beautiful. And then today, today we're going to look at this word called kingdom. Can you say kingdom? Kingdom. Kingdom. And the title for today's message is the battle of two kingdoms. The battle for two kingdoms. There was only supposed to be one kingdom, the kingdom of God. But because of the fall, the curse of sin, man erected another kingdom called an earthly kingdom. And so as we look at the battle of these two kingdoms, we see this key principle. Man's kingdom will always fail. Earthly kingdoms will always fail, but God's kingdom will live on and rule forever. Amen. And before we dive into these three points, two are going to be prophetic words from the book of 1 Samuel in chapter 8 and chapter 12. You can turn there now if you'd like. All our overachievers are turning there. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at two prophetic words about God's kingdom and an earthly kingdom, and then we're going to look at the forever kingdom that's promised to us through Jesus Christ. But I want to define a few terms, a few things for us before we go into this message about kingdom. Number one is, what does the word kingdom mean? The Hebrew word for kingdom is melkoth, melkoth. And it refers to first to a reign, a reign, a dominion, or a rule. And then secondarily, it refers to the realm over which a rule and a reign is exercised, right? And in order to have a rule and a reign, you need to have a king that rules and reigns the kingdom. Now, in the kingdom of God, we see that God is our kingly rule. He rules and reigns. The kingdom of God is not just heaven. We think kingdom of God is heaven. No, it's wherever God's presence is, is his kingdom. His kingdom is his rule and his reign. It's his action. It's his lordship. It's his sovereign governance over every area of life. It's not just a place. That's secondary. It's who is on the throne and ruling and reigning, which defines kingdom. Your kingdom is defined by your king. Your kingdom is defined by who your king is. Psalms 145 says it beautifully, verse 13. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule, you rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises and he is gracious in all he does. So the first prophetic word about kingdoms that we're going to look at is in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 through 9. If you have Bible app, a Bible app on your phone, please turn to that as well and follow along. Some of the scriptures will be on the screen and some may not. While you're turning and while you're getting set, I just want to give a little bit of background in this Line It Up series. So we see... So many years have passed since God delivered the Israelites from the bondage of Egypt. He then took them across the Red Sea, brought them, led them through the wilderness, gave, him, 
gave them his law, and then he led them into the promised land. But before long, this vicious cycle that we see, the Israelites fall right back into this of abandoning the kingdom of God and pursuing the things of the world. The kingdom of this earth is what they pursue. Remember, the kingdom built on lies. In the book of Judges, just a few books after 1 Samuel, or is it before? Scholars? I think it's before, right? Before. Um, Israel found itself always, (laughs) thank you, always finding themselves in the book of Judges with this phrase, the people did what was right in their own eyes. The kingdom of this earth, this worldly kingdom is all about man being in the center. The kingdom of God is God alone in the center. When we live by the kingdom of this world, we are only following what we think is good in our own life. Jesus said, no one's good. The mind is deceitful and the heart is corrupt. So, in 1 Samuel 8, let's see how this earthly kingdom plays out. Let's read this together. 1 Samuel 8, 4 through 9. Just follow along with me. Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. They were requesting a king, okay? King Saul. Look, they told Samuel, you are now old. That's not a compliment, You are now old and your sons are not like you. So give us a king to judge us like all other nations have. That's key right there. They're not looking to the kingdom of God. They're looking to all other worldly, secular, idolatry-ridden kingdoms, nations. Like all other nations have. Samuel was displeased with the request and went to the Lord for guidance. And the Lord says, do everything they say to you, for they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be king any longer. Try to put yourself in God's shoes, which is impossible to do. Mom and dad, can you imagine your kids one day saying they want nothing to do with you. Some of you are living that nightmare right now. Can you imagine? For they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods And now they are giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask. That's unconditional love, by the way. Do what they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. Now, I want to break this passage into three quick points. So follow along with me. Number one is people following an earthly 
kingdom will fall. Every time, it may be not right away, but when you build your life and you follow a shakable, fallible, temporary, broken system, you will fall. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. People who follow the kingdom of this earth pursue power, prestige, and pleasure, not from the kingdom of God, but from what other nations have. We're living in that right now, are we not? Social media, everyone wants what everyone else has. And we are so blessed and yet so miserable. You see, we believe a lie, just like Adam and Eve, that God is holding out on us, that there's more to this life that the world offers that God is not offering us. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Romans 1 Verse 25 says this. I love how it says this. They, meaning us, the people who have gone astray, they traded the truth of God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things that God created instead of God, the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. So number one is people who follow an earthly kingdom will fall. Number two, All earthly kingdoms don't work, and they won't last. Believe what you want, but God's word never comes back empty. Earthly kingdoms don't work. Have you tried it? How's it working for you? And they don't last. What do you think? Famous people are the most miserable, depressed people. They have everything. But the worldly system they build their lives on doesn't work. It never was designed to, nor will it ever work. I want to read 1 Samuel 8, verse 11 through 17. Look how an earthly kingdom doesn't work. This is what God told Samuel to warn them about the kings that will reign over them. But nevertheless, you want it, you got it. And then we see what happens. Says this, the king who will reign over you, he will take sons and appoint them to his chariots and to his horsemen to run before his chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow the ground and to reap the harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your crops. He will take, he will take, and he will take and never give. That 
is a kingdom that doesn't work. But again, the verse following this says, but the people continued to disobey God because the things of this world and what other nations had was more appealing than what they believed God to offer. An earthly kingdom doesn't work and it won't last. Why? Because it's counterfeit, y'all. What is counterfeit? Well, let's look at the definition of counterfeit. It's made in an exact image or imitation of something valuable or important with the purpose or intention to deceive or defraud the kingdom of this world. Why? It's built on counterfeit. It's a lie. Satan took it with a lie and perverted all of God's truth. Counterfeit. The kingdoms of this world and all that it offers is built upon counterfeit, a lie. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.11. It says, for no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. All other foundations are built on a counterfeit kingdom called the kingdom of this world, and they, like sand, will crumble. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20 to 21, store your treasures in the kingdom of God in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and desires will be also. You know what that's saying? Whoever is your king and whatever kingdom you're living for, that you will prioritize everything you do and say. You will live by whoever is your king. And whoever is your kingdom determines the kingdom. Whoever is your king determines the kingdom you reside in. People following an earthly earthly kingdom will fail. And all earthly kingdoms don't work. And finally, in this section of an earthly kingdom exposed, all earthly kingdoms will expose sin. All of them. Whatever earthly kingdom it is, it will expose sin because that is where it was originated. Just because God gives us a worldly kingdom and worldly kings that we desire doesn't mean that God's kingdom stops being the kingdom of God. That somehow God just is removed from his throne and has stopped ruling and reigning over this universe that he created. That's a lie. No one stripped God from his throne. We're just living for another kingdom. Not his. Yet we're off doing our own thing, right? Doing our own thing, our own way, until we find ourselves worse off than we were when we started. That's when our sinful self is exposed and finally our eyes are opened to our desperate need of God. Don't miss this. God in his mercy allows us to have the worldly kingdom we desire 
but only for the purpose for our sin to be exposed and for us to draw in desperate need back to God being our king. That's our only hope. 1 Samuel 8, verse 18, after all those horrible things the earthly kingdom will produce, what did the people do? They cried out. They cried out to God because of the broken kingdom. People who follow an earthly kingdom will fall. Earthly kingdoms don't work and they won't last. And lastly, an earthly kingdom exposes sin. So with this key quote, I'd love to just end this point. God gives people over to their unbelief and their desire for an earthly king with the purpose that at some point in their life, they will see their sin and ultimately connect with their desperate need for God to be king. An earthly kingdom exposed. However, in this broken earthly kingdom, God still offers blessing because that's who he is. So point number two is an offer or an opportunity for blessing. An offer or an opportunity for blessing. Let's read 1 Samuel together. Go to chapter 12, please. Chapter 12. We're going to read verse 14, and then we're going to read verse 20 through 22. So here we go. Now, if you fear and worship the Lord, this is what the Lord is saying to Samuel and to the people of Israel. If you worship and fear the Lord and listen, how many parents do you say that constantly? Listen, listen. You see, your child will listen the more that they fear you, not the wrath of you, but fear your responsibility and your role because you are their parent. Some of you are like, yeah, right. Listen to his voice. And if you do not rebel against the Lord's commands, then both you and your king will show that you recognize me as Lord, as your God. God's saying something here. If you, then I will. Verse 20. Don't be afraid, Samuel reassures them. You have certainly done wrong. Grace doesn't just skip over your wrong without addressing it. Your sin is exposed, but God says, yes, you've done wrong, but nevertheless, nevertheless, make sure now that you worship the Lord with all your heart. And don't turn back on him. Don't go back to worshiping worthless idols that cannot help or rescue you. They are totally, what's that word? Useless. An earthly kingdom and the kings of this earth. Sorry, politicians. Sorry, rulers. But you're useless. <laughs> Thank God, right? The Lord will not abandon his people. The Lord will not abandon his people. That gives us hope, friends, because that would dishonor his great name, for it has pleased the Lord to make you his very own people. Two things to extract from this text very quickly. Number one, God's offer for blessing. 
He says, nevertheless, you have done evil in my eyes. I should wipe you away, but nevertheless, do not turn away from me. Daughter, son of the most high God, don't turn away from me. Even with your new king and your earthly kingdom that you're living with, you're in the world, but not of the world. Honor me, serve me, obey me with all of your heart. And he says this, if you do these things, it will go well for you. How many people want it to go well for them in their lives? How many people want their children to experience it going well for their lives? It is ingrained in all of us, but there's only one answer. If we faithfully follow Jesus and give him everything, it will go well. That's a promise from God. That's not a prosperity promise of name it and claim it. It's if you lay down your life and pick up the cross of Jesus and follow him, even, even in all the crud in your life and even the sin in your life will be redeemed and restored and used for God's purposes. God, that's awesome. Why don't we get there? It really is that simple. I feel like I need to address something. So we're going to stay with the opportunity for blessing. But I I just want to take what we call the heart of the matter. I I want to kind of go to the jugular real quick. Our lives aren't any different than these Israelites in 1 Samuel. Every stage of life will test you, challenge you, stretch you, and reveal your sin which then is purpose to draw you back to God. It's an opportunity for blessing. But again, it's a battle of two kingdoms, the kingdom of blessing or the kingdom of this world. I want to talk to you specifically for the young men and women in high school, young adulthood, who leave home and go off to college or work somewhere, you live on your own, The temptations might be new or maybe they're not new, but they just have a different sparkle and glimmer because you're independent and on your own. You don't have mom and dad there to reinforce your faith in God, give you curfews and discipline you. Mom and dad aren't there. And unbelief, sexual temptation, lust of this world, spiritual laziness, and the cravings of the things that this world provides fills your life. That's called idolatry. That's where the battle of two worlds becomes real. And you must choose what kingdom you are going to serve by what king is going to be Lord of your life. Marriage. Marriage. The battle of two kingdoms, friends. When you get married... Do you become a better person? Well, yeah, hopefully that's kind of the design that happens. But marriage always reveals your flaws. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) It exposes your sin, whether you like it or not. And if God doesn't reveal it to you, your spouse will. And if your spouse doesn't, eventually a counselor will. 
Why? Marriage is a mirror that shines light on the worldly selfish ways within us, and it reflects the broken patterns in our lives that produce unhealthy fruit. Marriage, not to mention kids, shows us our need for repentance and God's forgiveness, and then the need to renew our mind according to the word of God and trust him with everything. That's where the battle of two kingdoms can become a reality. And if marriage doesn't make you humble, then the church called the Christian community will. If you haven't noticed, doing church is absolutely messy. Why? Because we're all messy. We may have the Holy Spirit living with us and we're being conformed into the image of Christ, but we also have an earthly temple called our body and it is stained with the sin nature and it wants to do the opposite of what the kingdom of God does. And a lot of times when we give into the kingdom of our earthly, fleshly, sinful nature, we mess things up all the time. And when we mess things up, we hurt people. And hurt people hurt people. It's a mess. You want to see hypocrites at their finest walk into a church. But here's the thing. If we're real with the hypocrisy in our hearts and we repent, we can be clean and we can be free and we can start living and being conformed to the image of Christ. But church is messy. People will test your limits and sometimes bring the worst out in you. But the question is, the battle of the two kingdoms, will you allow God to mold you and use the others to your left, to your right, in front of you and behind you to make you stronger? Now back to God's offer for blessing. We are to honor him and live a life, giving him everything. And he promises that he will never leave us or forsake us, and it will go well for you. The second thing is God's name is on the line. This is his guarantee. Whenever he promises something and whenever he gives a covenant, he always puts his name on the line. Look at this. In, uh, in verse 22, the Lord will not abandon his people because that would dishonor his great name. Do you know what's most important to God? It's not even us. It's his great name. It's his fame. It's his glory, friends. Everything is about God. Remember Genesis 1? He says in Genesis 1, my name is on the line. My reputation is on the line. Therefore, I will not forsake you. The kingdom of Israel ultimately comes down to God's sovereign hand of blessing, goodness, and greatness. Yes, he wants relationship with us. Yes, he wants to redeem us. But ultimately, his story is not about And his story is not about me. His story is about his greatness, his goodness, his holiness, his perfection, and his glory. That is what the kingdom of God is about. So let's take another time out and let's get to the heart of the matter. Our lives aren't any different than these people that we're reading about. But there's hope. In our unexpected circumstances, in our messy situations, God wants to step in and show up. 
and he wants to take the brokenness in our lives if we let him and if we obey him and if we surrender to him. He takes those broken things and he makes them better than they ever were before because he gets the glory, not us. He takes the weak things and the foolish things and he makes them wise and strong so that we look good. No, he gets the glory. Church, he says, honor me by obeying me, serving me with all your heart. And if you follow me, it will go well with you. The kingdom you walk in and the kingdom you live by is determined solely on who is your king. Number one, earthly kingdoms are not God's designs, and that's why they don't last and they will not work. Number two, God still offers blessings for those who trust him. And lastly, we're going to look at a forever kingdom, a forever kingdom. Now listen, I'm going to go fast. We know that even though from king to king in the Bible, from generation to generation, even to us, God still has a plan to make wrong things right and the dark things light. That's who he is. God still has a plan. The plan is Jesus. Can you say that name? Jesus. That's his plan. And it's the best plan. It's a perfect plan. And it's the only plan for us to have hope for a kingdom that will never end. Jesus enters as a king, not like a king should, um, a king of this world should enter. He enters as a baby, the most dependent upon man. He enters meek. And lowly, he comes to proclaim the kingdom of God to people who are separated from God. And he says, this kingdom is not of this world. He says to Nicodemus, you must be born of the spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is offering us the way, the truth, and the life to the kingdom of God. He is the only way. Anything else that says differently is a lie and a religious spirit built on a religious spirit, built on the sin nature, which is our earthly kingdom. And then this king that comes lowly, meek, and humble, he models unconditional sacrificial love that he didn't count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. That's not what a king does. Well, this king is not of this world, and this king does it differently because he is led by unconditional love for you and for me. He should have demanded obedience, but he humbled himself by becoming of our earthly form, becoming obedient to death, even a curse. He took our sin's curse on the cross and died. This is why God exalted Christ Jesus to the highest place, that by by his name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's why I love Revelation 11. We see it in Handel's Messiah that we're going to probably sing during Christmas time. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God, our Lord, and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So finally, Zach, uh, Zeke, not Zach, 
And Mike, could you bring up an illustration? I want to show you an illustration that brings this, or God willing, brings this all together. Thank you, men. I want us to understand that the whole picture of this Line It Up series and all these Old Testament stories and principles all line up that God's kingdom will last and we can't get there on our own. But God provi provides a way. And so we're just gonna show you in this simple example. Do we have that stick at all? Yes, it's right here. And so what I want to do is, is, is Kevin touched on this, is God gave us the law. And the law is perfect and it revives the soul. But there's also a purpose for the law. And we know a little bit that maybe our lives are sinful, but we don't really realize and aware that it's really sinful until the law of God, the perfect law of God, of how you're supposed to be right with God and how you're supposed to be holy and perfect comes in and it starts to stir your life up. That's what the law does. It shows you that you are rotten. It shows you that you have no good within you and you are not God and you are screwed. You are. That's what the law says. You can't be holy. You can't be God. And so you're separated. God's in his presence in his cloud. He still wants to be in his people, but you can't get near to him. Why? Because you're not pure water. You're not holy. You're not pure. So then Jesus comes on the scene. He dies for us because he's the ultimate sacrifice. Why? It's because he fulfilled every part of the law. He did not sin at all. So that makes him the right, holy, blameless sacrifice. It's a beautiful gospel. It's good news. So how do we receive this kingdom? How do we then take this and make it pure? Well, there's three things I want to go, uh, go through. Number one is you must confess and believe that Jesus is king. You must confess that Jesus is king, but you must believe in your heart. What does Romans 10 says? It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he raised Jesus from the dead, then you will be saved. You will be a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You are dead to self. You are alive in Christ. And you confess and believe. And you are born again. You are not born of this world anymore. You are ambassadors to a heavenly kingdom with an inheritance in his kingdom. That's good news. I hope you get excited for that. So you must confess and believe. But there's something else you need to do. Is you cannot serve two kingdoms. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can't have one foot in the kingdom of this world and one foot in the kingdom of our God. You can't do it. You cannot do it. That's why Matthew 6 says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one or devoted to the others. So the third thing we need to do is because we can't serve two masters, is we have to die to the earthly kingdom. 
If you want to live for the kingdom of God, you must die to the kingdom of sinful nature. You want to keep living what this, in this world and what it provides, though it's temporary and though it won't fulfill you. You keep doing that, but you must die to the kingdom of God. And if you die to the kingdom of God and you don't allow Jesus' death to forgive you and cleanse you, you will receive your punishment in eternity. However, if you want the promised kingdom of God to start reigning and ruling in your life today, you must die to yourself. Paul says, for I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. This is where pure water flows. This is what Jesus says. If anyone believes in me, in their heart and in their life will flow rivers of living water. This is the only way to please God is to be in God through Jesus Christ. You can't have it both ways. What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the world, the worldly kingdom? Or are you going to choose to die to all that it offers, including your selfish desires? And live for God and God alone. Band, you can come up. All eyes closed. Heads bowed. No one moving. I want to pray this scripture over you in 1 John. It says, do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of God in you. For the world offers only a craving of physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and the pride in our success, achievements, and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But everyone who does what pleases God will live forget forever. And here's the question I want to leave you that you answer quietly to yourself. How do you please God? Well, I'm at church now. I like to serve. I do read my Bible. I have a lot of awesome Christian t-shirts. No, you only please God when you love Jesus by faith. Faith is you can't see it, but you know it to be true. And so you live your life of surrender and trust, knowing that what God promised will come to pass. Friends, the only way to enter the kingdom of God and to please God is to love Jesus. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.